Every part matters. You know, it's interesting that last Sunday was the, f- the first of this series. And uh, every part mattered so much that uh, apparently the best feedback I got after the service was that the picture behind me is of a disassembled carburetor off a 1950s motorcycle. Uh, and uh, what I said had no bearing whatsoever uh, on the minds of some people who are just intrigued by the parts on the screen behind me. So now that we've got that out of the way, we know what they are, perhaps we should uh, get somewhere with our message this week. So last week we introduced the idea that we all have an important part to play in this phenomenon that we know, know as the church. And we read from Ephesians 4.15, where it says, We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body. The church. Isn't that good to know? The church is the body. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Now, sometimes I think we doubt that. But we shouldn't doubt the fact that God knows what he's doing. And it says, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So we've ascertained that it's God who makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And we also discovered that it's our contribution to do our own special work. And the rest of the body grows, is healthy, and is full of love, not because Jesus has put us in the right place, but because we're doing our part. So what is our part? I mean, that's the big question. It's great for someone up in the pulpit to say, oh, you've all got to do your part. But there's people sitting there thinking, what's my part? What am I supposed to do? Well, Ephesians tells us that too. Notice that verse 15, if we can have verse 15 back up again, starts with the word instead. Now, we tend to gloss over these things when we read sort of verses but if it's got a word like therefore or instead, you know, if it's therefore, we've got to look, you know, what's it there for? And it's always related to previous or following scriptures. If we look at the word instead, it says instead we will speak the truth in love. Instead of what? And when we look back and we read the verses prior to that one, we discover you know, what that is instead of and also what our part in the church is. So let's back up to verse 11. And it says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Whoa, that's a bit heavy, isn't it? So let's, let's just break it down. There's about six important points in there. The first is we're given gifts. The second thing is these gifts are to equip us The third thing is they're there to equip us to do God's work. Doing God's work will mature us. This will continue until we're perfect. And by the way, there will be a fight. 
So let's look at some of those things. First of all, we're given gifts. And interesting here, interestingly here, it says the gifts are people. It doesn't say, I will give you prophetic gifts and apostolic gifts. It says, I will give you teachers, pastors, people. And so gifts aren't necessarily just tools for us to use. They're there as actual people within us. We are gifts from God. People who are pastors and teachers are gifts. Now, some of you are thinking, geez, we've got a bum one. <laughs> what sort of gifts is God giving here? <laughs> but I think it's important to recognize that, that the gifts that, that we have are connected to our actions. It's who we are as people. When God gives us gifts, if, if you have a, a, a gift of prophecy, God's called us to use it. It doesn't actually necessarily give us the title prophet. But who we are is connected to our gift. And so we have to remember that when we take action and operate in our gift, we become what that gift makes us. And so what are these gifts for? Well, they're, they're, they're to equip us. There's an, there's an equipping that comes from God's gifts to the church. I think we often fall into that trap of discovering our gift and then feeling special. And that becomes enough. I have the gift of prophecy. Yeah, but I've never heard you prophesy over anyone. Oh, am I, am I supposed to do something? We, we, we feel important because, you know, I've got a prophetic gift. It came on in a meeting once and I haven't used it again just in case, you know, it doesn't work or, or I look silly or, or we don't use our gifts. Mozart. Have anybody ever heard of Mozart before I continue? Right. Who knows? He had a gift for music. Would you, would you think? He was a child prodigy. You know, he could play complex pieces, pieces of music, including Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, um, when he was five. But do you know that Moses did not... Moses? <laughs> I think I read the Bible too much. Mozart who was not named after Moses, as far as I know. I, I don't know the etymology of that. Um, but he didn't write an original composition until he was a teenager. And he didn't just wait till he was a teenager and thought, oh, well, now I'm old enough, I can write something original. He actually practiced. It took 10,000 hours of practice before he was competent enough in his gift to actually write the music that we, he is famous for today. And yet he was... He was born with a gift, but he actually had to work at that gift before he actually could become original and, and uh, creative in that gift. Sure, he could play other people's music perfectly, but to actually use that gift for that inspiration to come out of himself took a long time. And the gifts we're given by God work the same. We need to practice them. So what sort of practice is involved? Do we need to hire a teacher and have lessons? Might help with some of them. But they're actually to do God's work. We practice them by doing God's work. And we can see the key elements of what church life is in the book of Acts, in chapter 2, verse 43. It says, A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. 
They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple every day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So Jesus' disciples devoted themselves to these things. And I'll, I'll retranslate for today's language. They were familiar with the word of God. Read your Bible. They gathered together. Come to church. They shared the Lord's Supper. Take communion. They shared in mealtimes. Go to a dinner party. And in our church, at least, other people have small groups that are labelled differently, but get together, share in a meal. Share everything, give generously. Vicky talked earlier about, about vision builders. And this is an opportunity for us to devote ourselves to actually doing something which costs us something. Signs and wonders. Use your gifts. And it added to their fellowship, which means that we are called to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's God's work for us. That's what we need to be equipped to do. Equipping, who, who knows that knowing the word of God equips you to do God's work. Hanging out together in the fellowship with God's people equips us to do God's work. These are the things that we should be doing on a daily basis because they equip us. And who, who knows, just like Mozart, well, hopefully we don't, we don't have to be 10,000 hours of reading the Bible before we actually any, any use comes out of it. But we actually need to do it on a regular basis to actually hone our skills every day so that we can become effective in what God wants us to do. Doing God's work will mature us. Funny how that's not something people aim for. Yeah, what do you want to do with your life? Oh, I want to become mature. <laughs> Just, it's not what people are after. And yet maturity brings on things that are actually important in our lives. Uh, Ephesians tells us that maturity can be seen by the unity of our faith and the knowledge of Jesus. So maturity doesn't necessarily mean getting old. It actually means coming to a knowledge of Jesus Christ and growing in our faith. The big surprise, I think, for most Christians is that doing the things that I've just shared, that list, is actually how we mature. It's how we equip ourselves. It's how we grow. It doesn't actually require us to seek out the secrets of prophetic words or discover a special revelation that we can find out because all of that tends to distract us from the purpose we're being equipped for. So I don't think verse 14 was thrown in just as an afterthought. In verse 14 it says, Then we will no longer be immature like children, and we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. Now we've got to be careful here. I, I feel that my study of the Bible reveals new things to me all the time. The Bible is not a boring book to read, if you're reading it properly. There are new, I mean, it blows my mind when I, I discover things that I hadn't found in there before. But they're not new teachings. They're actually just revelation about how God is working and how, how I can grow in my faith and come to a greater knowledge of Jesus Christ. New teachings are things that, that try and t tell you, well, okay, does the Bible really say that? 
Or did God really say that? Do you know how old that expression is? That's the first thing that the, the devil asked Eve in the garden. Did God really say that? So people who ask you that today are just rehashing an old argument. The answer is yes, God really did say that. And so we, we need to recognise that we're not called to, to, to study just bits of the Bible. We're not, the prophetic books are fun to study because they're, they're full of prediction. They're full of, you, can, you can run numbers together and the numbers all add up to wonderful totals which tell us the future and that's that's not what we're called to do we the bible leads us to jesus and guess what everything we're doing will continue until we're perfect now you might not believe in bible codes but i I believe this is a bible code right here this is code for it's going to continue until jesus returns (laughs) because uh, who's a perfectly mature christian here Please leave, you'll spoil it for the rest of us. I think when it, when it says that you know, it'll continue until we, we are mature in our, our unity and our, and our knowledge of Jesus Christ, most people I know never attain that. But with, that's something we should always be aiming for. The last thing is there will be a fight. There will be a battle. There will be opposition. Ephesians 4.14 finishes by saying, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. Now, Paul here is warning against forces outside the church that attempt to influence believers with plausible and persuasive lies. Now, Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago. Aren't we glad that we live in an age where that doesn't happen here and now? I mean, over the last couple of years, the dissemination of anti-biblical propaganda, I believe, has seen Christians shrink back in their faith. Their unity has dissolved. People have become factional. There's no such thing as middle ground anymore. You're either on one side or the other. And we know what happens when that happens in war. Middle ground becomes no man's land. And we need to actually strive to actually bring people together based on their similarities, not tear them apart based on their differences. We are all far more similar than we are different. And we need to capitalise on that. That is what unity is. It isn't unity in, in terms of uniformity. We are not called to all be the same. We are all called to worship the same God. We are all called to be his people and part of his body. And we need to focus on those things. And we have to fight for them right now. We have to fight because there's an onslaught of people who will tell you that what you're doing is wrong. Did God really say? And guess what we need to do to resist? I would guess this is what happens to most people who actually fall away and lose their faith. We've got to remain equipped and mature. Because if we we don't, we see what has happened over the COVID period where there's an estimate that at least 30% of people who went to church before the pandemic 
have not bothered to come back. And guess what? I think it's because they've stopped reading their Bible. They obviously don't come to church. They've stopped taking communion. They've stopped sharing meals with other people. They've stopped being generous. They've stopped using the gifts that God gave them. And they've stopped preaching the gospel. This is our strength. It's not how intellectually able we are. It's not how good looking we are. It's not, how, not the rhetoric that people preach about how, how important the church is. It's how about we as individuals do the things God has called us to do to build the body of Christ. 2 Timothy 1.6 says, This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. <coughs> Excuse me. We need to be prepared for the fight. We need to start taking ground. And it's not... I mean, I hesitate to use the word fight because whenever I use the word fight, we think of fisticuffs. We're not in it for a physical conflict it's a spiritual battle that we wage and we've got to be prepared for that I want to pray for some people right now before I do uh, I'm going to dismiss our online congregation thank you for watching with us this morning we hope that the word of God has blessed you but right for now uh, may the Lord keep you bless you may his face shine upon you may you have a great week and don't forget, keep worshipping and praising God. Read your Bible and do the rest of those things in the list. Bye for now. <laughs>